Welcome to the Afropolitan Podcast, hosted by Eche Emole, founder of Afropolitan. On the show, we chat with Afropolitans whose footprints form the foundation of systems dedicated to building the future of a bold and progressive Black community. In each episode, our guests share their working formulas, the hard facts about leaving familiar terrain, embracing the unknown, and staying relevant afterwards. Listen as we extract the blueprints of fearlessness, innovation, and progress. In today's episode, we chat with Gosi Ukamoke, Managing Director of Kingmakers, owners of the Bet King brand. In this episode, Gosi talks about his entrepreneurial journey, how he went from bootstrapping to fundraising, and the biggest lessons he's learned about managing people. We hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome nice. to season two of the Afropolitan Podcast. Thanks. I don't know why we didn't, we didn't have time to record this in a big, big studio in Lagos, but since we're both international people, well, we can do this remotely. So thank you for taking the time to come to the Afropolitan Podcast. Welcome. Thanks. Thanks, Achim. Can we dive into some of the biggest challenges of being an African entrepreneur on the African continent? What are some of the challenges that you're faced and you continuously face as you build out your team for different startups? Yeah, like my 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 answers might be a bit skewed because I have always worked in regulated sectors, right? So mm-hmm. I will I will simply tell you government regulation being all over the place, not being yeah. you know, not being written out clearly and if you follow mm-hmm. step by step, you get you get the licenses that you need or you can mm-hmm. go through policies that are required for you to operate. Mm-hmm. Um so that's always a bigger challenge and just knowing that one day there could be a change of guard on the government mm-hmm. side. <clears throat> it's a new person, new dispensation, new rules, mm-hmm. new, new activities, new everything. And then you know, in the gaming side now, I've also realized that, yeah, there's regulation, but there's also too much regulation and there's also decentralized mm-hmm. regulation where mm-hmm. there's regulation on the federal side, on the state side, on the local side that are not the same thing and everybody's running mm-hmm. in a different direction. And yeah, so it, that's always been, that's always been the biggest challenge I've seen, I guess, given the sectors that I've always operated in mm-hmm. and have just built a bit of uh, expertise in, it just is a the regulated industries. Uh, maybe the second one will be in selling something that hasn't really come to the market before. Having mm-hmm. to convince people it's possible. Having to convince people mm-hmm. that it does make sense. I think this will come from like my education days and mm-hmm. uh, trying to sell digital learning to people very early on, as early as 2012, when no one was even talking mm-hmm. about. I was thinking wait, maybe way too ahead of your time and you know mm-hmm. way above the infrastructure that is available. Mm-hmm. For you to mm-hmm. build upon, it's just it's just those things. Like you have to now go back and re, you know build infrastructure from ground up. Yeah, in digital and online learning, but you're mm-hmm. figuring out ways to store content offline, but people can mm-hmm. access, you know, wherever they are by giving mm-hmm. them thumb drives that, that will have videos and all the other. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you have to like kind of solution around the infrastructure deficits. You know, for me, that's that's uh, some of the biggest things I've um, I've experienced. So what? Would you say have been some of the technological advancements that have happened in the past eight years that have enabled you to build in a way that maybe prior to that you might not have been able to build with the lack of infrastructure? Bro, you if you're in Lagos, you can stream YouTube videos without it buffering. <laughs> yeah. You are watching Netflix, man. Like we are literally watching Netflix without buffers. 
that is such an advancement if you're mm-hmm. thinking about eight to ten years ago, right? Mm-hmm. Where if, yeah, you've not even found stable connection enough to now be thinking about the bandwidth that will let you stream yeah. a, commercial, a commercial retail capacity, right? Maybe mm-hmm. businesses had always had access to the fiber optics and mm-hmm. because they can afford the 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 infrastructure to have satellites yeah. and backup of backup. You know, now like people just watch their DSTV now. Yeah. Anywhere, mm-hmm. I don't even have mm-hmm. a decoder. I have a DSTV mm-hmm. now, like next to you know, and a stream. Yeah, and so stream. I, you know, I've paid for a service somewhere else. So there's only for me to have a mm-hmm. decoder again. I just stream from mm-hmm. my already paid, you know, DSTV now. You couldn't do mm-hmm. that many years ago. So that has actually yeah. just opened up just the content um business, right? Like if mm-hmm. you see like number of people who are coming out using platforms like Instagram and YouTube to push out the mm-hmm. content. Mm-hmm. Because those this content can easily be consumed. That's open mm. good character. The other one, you know, when we talk about technology advancement, mm-hmm. um, I say eight to ten years ago, people always think about maybe digital mm-hmm. technology, the internet. Mm-hmm. The other one that a lot of people don't also realize that is also technology and advancement is the fact that mm-hmm. there's a lot more things like solar, right? That's the advancement. You know, people are a lot of grid these days. There's a lot, mm-hmm. there's a bunch of guys providing this. These are direct mm-hmm. impact. Why? You need internet to be able to charge your laptop and do any mm-hmm. any dev work you need to do. Mm-hmm. Um, you need internet access to be able to stream this content that you're creating, mm-hmm. or even create content in the first place. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and there's a lot, there's a lot more of that. I remember when we, the pandemic started last year, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. we had to go 100% remote at, uh, at Bed King. Mm-hmm. We, you know, worked, to, you know, to provide you know, electricity for people in their homes. And we just got mm-hmm. Lumos. So just being one of these on Lumos, Solar, uh, kids and mm-hmm. uh, guys have you know, electricity at home to be able to charge their laptops and you know do work and provide mm-hmm. internet at home. That wouldn't have been possible ten years ago, right? Mm-hmm. So businesses are just shut down and waited for the pandemic. Like if the pandemic happened ten years ago, mm-hmm. at least in Nigeria, the impact on our economy would have been worse. Mm-hmm. Because how are you working remote? How are you doing mm-hmm. Zoom? There's no, there was no Zoom. Yeah, doing mm-hmm. Skype that's you know, Skype neither here or there. Mm-hmm. There's just like everything was a bit it was was patchy back then, right? Mm-hmm. So it's almost like we we are we're so lucky to be at the point where we were when the mm-hmm. when the pandemic hit, because you had if you had hit earlier, what's technology to use? So yeah, that's that's how I think of advancements really. Mm-hmm. Uh, infrastructure has improved significantly, mm-hmm. there's more bandwidth, there's more access. Um and we, we we have a lot more people creating content. There's people mm-hmm. like you <laughs> doing podcasts That's like right. this on yes. one side of the world, and there's another person on the other side of the world recording. Yes. All of those, all of this would have been very seamless. Maybe possible, yes, it would have been, but would have been very seamless. Where I'm literally, I wasn't even sure where I was going to be. Going to be mm-hmm. like when we booked this thing, I told you I think yesterday or two days ago that it was mm-hmm. 11 a.m. for me. Right now, it's mm-hmm. actually 2 p.m. for me. Right. Mm-hmm. So at the time I agreed to this call, it was mm-hmm. going to be at 11 a.m. Mm-hmm. It is 11 a.m. when where I had agreed for it to be 11 a.m. But it's 2 p.m. Yes. where I am right now. Yes. Right. So yeah. So when you think it's, about it's, it's actually it's actually amazing when you think about it because yeah, uh, Stan that was on the calls in Nigeria. I'm in Houston. Uh-huh. You're in Istanbul. So yeah, three different exactly. time zones. This exactly. was not possible a couple of years back. If no. so, I would have just been chasing that like. Those you have to be in the same room. When are you going to be this? When are you going to be like this? Is not possible. So you're right. Yeah. You're right. But let's let's go back to the beginning. 
childhood context. Where were you born? Do you, do you have any siblings? How was the relationship with mom, dad? Let, let's take it back from the stuff. Because the, um, the myself of an entrepreneur, right? It's like it's mm-hmm. it's hopefully cultivated from your childhood. Like you have examples because I end up there as a like I feel like I've I've seen you in so many close situations where you're as an entrepreneur, there's risk, right? And you seem very comfortable with the risk taking. And you it's almost like you do the the analysis and you're like, okay, cool, we can't move. And even if you fail, you you accept the failure as part of the process. So let's go mm-hmm. back to childhood. How, how does that journey? I was born, I was born in, in Omaha. I grew up in Omaha. I went to the secondary school in Apa. And that's the boys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, <laughs> came yeah. to Lagos and started my world exploration. And it was even like while I was in Lagos, I had my first taste of entrepreneurship. But like really going back to how I grew up, I'm like mm. the last, I'm the last kid in the family and mm. I have much older siblings. Mm-hmm. And maybe speaking to it in a bit could be two things. The way I've seen that mm. growing up drive how I've become the kind of person that I am is mm-hmm. one, because I had siblings who were much older. So I spent a lot of mm-hmm. time by myself because they were already like off to secondary school, some mm-hmm. off to uni already at the time. Mm-hmm. I was just beginning to like get up to work and stuff. So I didn't mm-hmm. really spend that much time and, you know, during secondary mm-hmm. school, maybe they go to come back. So there's that. So that's one side, like, you know, learning to be super self-sufficient from early on because mm-hmm. you're hungry, you have to eat. And your parents are, your parents are busy working to afford all the other children. Yeah. 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 So it's not like you're like the first and only child or maybe you're the first of two or the last mm-hmm. of two where it's just the two of you, all the attention is on. So you have to learn to like manage small attention that you mm-hmm. get. <laughs> and you know, and just learn to be like super self-sufficient mm-hmm. um, and be able to sometimes find solutions to issues because, hey, you've broken a glass vase mm-hmm. when you have gone to work. You have to find a way to bring it back. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. So we can't be. We can't just sit down and be like, ah, "There is no way." You have to like you learn pocket, yeah. you learn pocket by force, right? You mm-hmm. glue back and paint yeah. the lights. You glue back mm-hmm. and paint the lights. And when when they're seeing it from afar, until maybe six weeks later, they will find out that it was broken. They still know if you had the one, but at least you've delayed the accident. Yeah. So I guess that that could potentially play a role. The other one that I also feel. Many people don't talk about with entrepreneurship is having a lot of people around that you can mm. rely on when mm. you know things can get tough. It gives mm. you a lot of confidence to take some kind of risks, right? Because you know, you know, there's always a bit of a fallback. You know, you can you can push the you can push the limits a little bit extra mm-hmm. if you know you have a supporting um community around you. Mm-hmm. You have mm-hmm. you have people to fall back, mm-hmm. you know, like you know, like yeah. It can be very bad, but I will shall mm-hmm. find a place that I can go and eat, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. even if you even if you beg to beg someone to say, "Hey, please, can you send your cat to come and carry me to mm-hmm. your house, bring food mm-hmm. for me?" Like mm-hmm. you can push some of those limits, knowing that there's a bit of a of a fallback. And I think that's why many entrepreneurs on you know, on the western side of the world mm-hmm. do really well because there's social security mm-hmm. because. Mm-hmm. You know, that, you know, they've innovated, they've done all of those things. There's access to mm-hmm. capital, but most importantly, there's access to a community of support, right? Mm-hmm. The, well, the government that's providing the support by grants mm-hmm. or whatever. You know, when you know that if you take a risk and if things go really bad, there's a bailout. Like that mm-hmm. one bailout exists mm-hmm. in, your, mm-hmm. in your dictionary mm-hmm. of business, mm-hmm. right? In your government, you mm-hmm. can take a, a little bit more risks, right? Mm-hmm. So 
yeah, perhaps I can, I would say maybe I have a, the feeling that there's a bit of a personal bailout that, that is potentially there. That allows mm-hmm. us to push the limits. I think very early on, right? Mm-hmm. It allows us to push a little bit. Uh, that gives you the confidence to try out things that, that don't mm-hmm. seem that could be possible. But at the same time, it also gives you a lot of people who will tell you, guy, chill. Like, you know, mm-hmm. so, come down. Yeah. So there's that community. And I think it goes a long way to, to help. Those are like the quick ones that come to mind. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm sure there is a lot more, right? But, you know, being able to find solutions on your own, mm-hmm. you know, being able to stay calm. Uh, yeah, one other thing, like I grew up being like friends with my siblings' friends and mm-hmm. watching mm-hmm. people. So it's easy to deal with maybe on the religious side. It's easy to deal with older guys who are coming from a different uh, generation and be able to be relatable to them and know how to communicate and know how to interact with them and manage mm-hmm. them at the same time. Also know how to mm-hmm. manage people of your own age mm-hmm. group. Like, so you've seen me in different close quarters mm-hmm. and stuff. Mm-hmm. In any situation, I'm able to adjust because perhaps I've been ex- I was exposed to as many situations as possible as early as, early on as could be. So it's so funny you say that because when we first met, we had actually met prior with, through AIM, right? Mm-hmm. At the time, going through the university process, right, mm-hmm. in Calabar. Well, fast forward maybe the next year when I came back to Nigeria and we we're doing the Lagos boat situation. Mm-hmm. I had to talk to you about that boat situation. There have been other people I've been dealing with with this boat situation. I did not feel security in the sense of, I don't think you're competent to deliver what I know me and my guests mm-hmm. will need or the sports members will need to get this to the other side. And when I said, I talked to you, it was like, this is how we're going to do it. It's a number of boats. Trust me, it's done. And it was, it got, it got handled. And I was just telling someone, especially in the Nigerian context, that there is, you scale faster in Nigeria when you literally build trust, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's mm-hmm. such a low trust environment so that people will literally keep coming back to you as a service provider. Is, has that been your experience in this space? Yeah, I think especially on the boat side, <laughs> where, where you know how quickly look you, you've been there, you know how you know how things can quickly go haywire, and it's just one of the logistic side of it, right? Like as an example, you get a boat for forty people, but you have sixty people show up somehow because they've come with other people's boats, and then there are people who have gone to other places who have their own boats have left them, and then they will show up and cry for you that. Hey, I've got a flight to catch. That's all sorts of stories. People are crying. Yes, that's one of those where someone was crying and they did not even come to your events. They came to, they went to a completely different event and the boats left them and they found their way to where our boat was. It, it felt like Titanic. <laughs> <laughs> so knowing that that's kind of like the situation you're going to be in. And again, it goes back to that thing I said earlier, where there's fallback. The book business, from even just the way we're building it, was not like we're building this book business to make more, like a billion dollars tomorrow mm-hmm. or a billion naira mm-hmm. tomorrow or a lot mm-hmm. of money tomorrow. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's just it's something that we loved, something that I loved, and I wanted people to share out of it and then mm-hmm. created a structure around it. It meant that I would be happy to tell you, I know your budget is for 20 boats, but mm-hmm. how about you just bring out an extra money and, mm-hmm. and do 22 or 23 or 24 mm-hmm. boats? I'd be very happy oh, for you to say, to say, no, I'm not going to do it. I'll take my business somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And I'm like comfortable to be like, okay, mm-hmm. I'm not going to because um, I really need that business. I'm going mm-hmm. to be like, okay, yeah, let's, uh, let's just do the 20 mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. I know for sure that when so it, 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 it will come back because again, mm-hmm. that extra two boats 
will become mm-hmm. extremely useful because there are people who want to leave early. Mm-hmm. You know, that, there's all sorts of like people who come to your party and they mm-hmm. spend four hours, but there's another mm-hmm. party that they're going to, but that you know, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. So you have to build a room for yeah, fall back. So yeah, I guess by doing that, and then you have those people who have come, you know, use the service, mm-hmm. they always mm-hmm. just want to come back, right? They always mm-hmm. just want to come back because by, by the end of the experience, they understand. And mm-hmm. we've also, of course, we've had some failures to on mm-hmm. our side. Uh, because machines are machines, they will disappoint mm-hmm. you, right? So you can make all those plans, and they both will decide that that day is the day that it will not work. Yeah. We've been we've been in the middle of water once, <laughs> so so things like that. But again, the trust comes back from knowing that mm-hmm. all the plans were put in place, everything mm-hmm. was done. That's just mm-hmm. act of God. Like yeah. you know, it wasn't that's... just from negligence or anything. It's just like mm-hmm. you know, it's act of God. The engine decided yeah. that's the day to take water. So yeah. you see that people come back. Because they trust, and they also mm. realize that you have your core, yeah, you have your core um, business values too. Yeah, like the people that I know that every December mm. Mm. we are writing boots for them. I've done twice for you, right? Mm. Just I'm like, let me everything. So like, mm-hmm. you know, you're providing boots, you're providing a beach house, you're providing mm-hmm. like all of those, um, mm-hmm. you know, leisure services. Definitely. Yeah. So definitely, and they. Because you're not really like trying to chase a million things, you know mm-hmm. what the business is, and mm-hmm. I guess with the experience as well. But so, so go see. Would you consider yourself a serial entrepreneur? And how? What would you say was your first startup? Because it seems like you've had quite a, a few startups. So, what was your first startup, and what was that process like? Well, I guess by definition, I uh, mm-hmm. I would say serial entrepreneur, but I just mm-hmm. see myself. And basically doing the same thing over and over again, but just in different sectors. It's buying and selling. Mm-hmm. Whether I'm buying a product and selling, whether I'm selling a product or I'm selling a service, it's still pretty mm-hmm. much the same. The very first thing I did was a reseller business. Um, mm-hmm. Like earliest thing I did, best experience mm-hmm. ever because I learned a lot from it. Mm-hmm. Um, it was like 06, 07. Mm-hmm. Wi-Fi access mm-hmm. wasn't there. You know, mm-hmm. people. You know, people had to go to a cyber cafe still at that time to use internet, you know, in mm-hmm. their, for, you know, to use the internet. And mm-hmm. people who had internet at home had a cable drop into their mm-hmm. house. Mm-hmm. Like they did it. There was no, even the laptops we plug in, we plug in the cable into the laptop. Um, and then, lap, then laptops, I don't even knew this Wi-Fi card. It was like, it's like it looks like, a, it, looked like a, it has the shape of a credit card with a small antenna sticking out of it. There are laptops mm-hmm. that had a slot for that because even laptops didn't come in, come with built-in Wi-Fi cards inside. Like you have that. Oh, I remember that. I remember that. I remember that. You have to put a Wi-Fi adapter. You plug That's it into true. one one tiny slot and then it had like an mm-hmm. antenna. You know, it had the shape of like a credit oh, card. Oh, man. Oh, my God. Yeah, days. so so those are the days, right? So you had those That's HP laptops bulky as hell because there's so many slots because a lot mm-hmm. of things didn't come pre-built into the chip. Mm-hmm. So... There are like so many slots that you have to like you plug in. There's mm-hmm. H- laptops are coming with HDI, HDMI, mm-hmm. um, LAN ports, Wi-Fi slots, mm-hmm. USB, um, microphone. This thing. There's so many slots that laptops came with. So <laughs> like you're 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 having flashbacks. Yeah, Bro, I was, I was just... <laughs> like this thing. Yeah, yeah. this thing. So many slots. So that was like the days. Mm-hmm. What I did then was to work with the guys who were bringing in the cable. Mm. I had been exposed to routers then. Like early on, I was exposed to routers right after, mm. you know, secondary school, like 2005, mm. 2006. I was right. I was mm. exposed to routers. 
masters. Mm-hmm. So what we did was, I did was I'll buy, I'll get the company. They're still mm-hmm. in existence, surprisingly, and they mm-hmm. provide my internet at home. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, it's so, it's so funny that I'm like, I, you know, these are the guys that I used as my first reseller. Even mm-hmm. though I didn't have a reseller agreement with them, which are some mm-hmm. of the things that I learned, mm-hmm. right? I will get them to install internet in somebody's house. Mm-hmm. And, and when they drop the cable, I'll tell them bye-bye. And mm-hmm. then I'll, bring, I'll buy a router for the person. Mm-hmm. Connect mm-hmm. the cable into the router, buy them Wi-Fi cards for their laptops and for their mm-hmm. desktops. Even then, desktops didn't have, like, well, even desktops also needed that Wi-Fi thing to be able to connect mm-hmm. to the wireless. Yes, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, so, you know, get them that and then connect them to the internet and then I charge a markup every month. So mm-hmm. pay me and then I'll pay the internet service provider. But there was no formal arrangement between me and the internet service provider, you <laughs> guys, right? Oh, my goodness. So, so you inserted yourself into that process and paid I plugged myself in and I was selling wireless internet. Even went to some malls, right, and got this radio mm-hmm. server where we print out scratch cards. And what, 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 what was and the markup on, st- on, on something like that, though? It was ridiculous. So I'll, these guys are charged twenty k. Me, I'll charge hundred. <laughs> 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 because then I'm like, guy, and those are some of the things. Like I was seventeen, eighteen. Yeah. So those are like, oh, things that rather quickly that you know you have to. If I do, if I, if I, it was now that I did that business, right? Mm-hmm. I, I, I could see where I can grow it into. Mm-hmm. So I didn't take a lot of things into consideration. All I just mm-hmm. was like. You need to sell this thing, yeah. And <laughs> it is internet that was designed for one computer, our replicative mm-hmm. five. So the thing was slower, so people complain mm-hmm. small, you know. I was like, but then I was like, you know what? I have wireless internet, you know. Like, yeah. complain so much. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't have a formal reseller agreement. So, mm-hmm. how what should that business? You know, I had like you know, I was making like three or four times more than these guys were making. The guys who actually yeah. had it, all I did yeah. was just buy it and configure it, what's the router. <laughs> configure it and then I'll charge four times times the price. Um, What killed the business was the guys I was buying internet from realized Mm. what I was doing. How though? Because they they, they could see the number of IPs connected in this place. And then the thing, like these guys were doing was dragging their bandwidth. And Mm. they could see like live, you can see how many computers are connected Mm. to the network Mm. from that one One. list. And yeah. they know that it's home because I wasn't doing mm-hmm. office stuff. I was only, mm-hmm. I was always just doing only home. And they know it's home. So it's not like there's some uh, switch there that like, they mm-hmm. realize what I was doing. And then when there were three customer issues, they, they still have to come and fix the internet themselves. Oh, when they show up into these people's homes to fix mm-hmm. the internet, they see that there's a, there's a router here. Yeah. And then they quickly realized what I was doing. Mm-hmm. And then they bundled up the router thing into their own oh, service. My, they, into their own packaging. And they were now selling it at just double the price. <laughs> like, thank yeah. you. Thank you for the business model. We'll take I, did biz, I did biz dev and I made money from the biz dev. And like, okay, well, thank you for the work you've done. You've been paid handsomely. You yes. know, carry on. You know, yes. and... <laughs> it goes back to what you were talking about earlier, right? It's like, you don't own your actual stack. And so when they've realized that, they're like, okay, thank they you. They cut me off. They, you know how they say, cut you by the knees? Like yeah. day by day, my clients are just mm. dropping off one by dropping one. Off. Yeah, because they're just going to the source because nothing changed. Mm. Mind you, when I buy that router, the router belongs mm. to the person. It didn't belong to me. The mm-hmm. internet was registered in the person's name. You know, I did that mm-hmm. just to keep myself safe of any issues. Uh, yeah, yeah. Right? So it's not going to be like if they do something in their house, it's not my mm-hmm. name that's on it. So they're like, these guys mm-hmm. install internet for this man. And then mm-hmm. the man buys a router. Just I don't want to buy it at almost double the price again. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. everything was marked up. 
you know, I'm telling you, you know, Chelsea is the best. Lynx is, yeah, this one, I just throw names at them. Right, this is 0506, mm-hmm. right? So, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so, so I learned like, a lot of things on that. Like, yeah, yeah, man. Go and have a reseller agreement. Let the guys know what yeah. they need to the network. Have a clear yeah. structure. Because they did, mm-hmm. a, they would do a lot of support for you, right? So mm-hmm. I, I didn't have to be spending my own money doing support. They would do mm-hmm. their own support. Like, mm-hmm. they would, like, they would do the support. I just resell. And I find a model that I make, I can embed myself and add extra value rather than just mm-hmm. I'm putting the price, right? You know, so I, you know, I had to learn that rather quickly, and I learned not to build on other people's uh, platform. Mm-hmm. Everything mm-hmm. I built on my own platform. Ever since mm-hmm. then, I built on my own platform. I built my build out my own tech. You know, these guys went to be fucking. They even stopped mm-hmm. like putting the cables. They now built out base stations and started bringing in like the wireless device itself, like this inside people's house. Mm-hmm. No cable. You know, <laughs> like how you have like mm-hmm. like this um. Swift and Smile mm-hmm. and all those other guys mm-hmm. put it in the house. They only have seen it. I connected to the base station. So it went that way. And they're still in business. Me, I was out within two years. <laughs> <laughs> but it was a good, it was a good two yeah. years though. It did something yeah. for me too. A lot yeah. of the people that I know now, you know, people always mm-hmm. like, a, a lot of the networks that I built, mm-hmm. a lot of the connections mm-hmm. that I made, a lot of mm-hmm. the people I got connected to mm-hmm. was through that. Because I was this coffee, 17 year old, 18 year old, like, that like, tech guy mm-hmm. who knew a lot of super wealthy people because mm-hmm. they're the ones who afford them my ridiculously expensive back internet. then yeah and they're yeah. the ones who actually had many laptops in their house to so actually need yeah. wireless internet so my market was like rich people oppa oppa yeah oppa <laughs> oppa and like, you know and there was this guy that would come in and fix their internet and mm-hmm. you know Mm. Yeah, yeah, so I kind of like built a decent relationship with a number of them mm-hmm. as well. Even when they had dropped me, they still remained mm-hmm. friends. Uh, because mm-hmm. they're like, ah, you're smart too. So this is how you are making money off of us. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> so, <laughs> well, let's, let's, let's go to your background in education, right? Do, mm-hmm. do, you have a, do you have a technical background or is that something that you had to learn or partner up with people? But what, let's speak to the education piece first. What, what did you go to school? What did you study? This is a great. Okay, so I jumped. I jumped around a little bit. Um, mm. I, went, I tried to go to school in a few places, and I finally now settled to study mm. information systems, which also meant that there was a lot of programming involved because it was just about mm. how to use technology to make business processes better. Mm. Um, I went to school in Cyprus. That's why mm. I eventually ended up. Maybe mm-hmm. that was to my affinity to Turkey because I was on the Turkish side of Cyprus, right? So true, true. I've been coming, I've been coming here for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had, in the cost of doing business, in the cost of mm-hmm. work, in the cost of doing internships, mm-hmm. in the cost mm-hmm. of just getting into the field, right? I, like I finished secondary school, and my brother got me a job at mm-hmm. uh, at an IT company, which is mm-hmm. why I learned quite a number of things. Just to find it to me. So mm. just in the course of doing all of that and just learning about web, I had built up some technical knowledge, but it wasn't mm-hmm. structured technical knowledge. I could mm-hmm. build stuff, but there was no logic. Yeah. It didn't have a lot of proper logic behind it. Mm. You know, it have a lot of, uh, there's a few things that you learn by learning within a structured environment. So that's mm-hmm. what you now did for me. So it also just allowed me more time because mm-hmm. it was the technical side of things I knew. It was a logical side of things I needed to brush up and learn better. And I think I had who understood that and supported me in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, so 
yeah, it made it, it made it a lot easier for me to get into business again. I built out you know, student mm-hmm. tech while I was uni because that was the whole point of it. I had technical knowledge. A lot of my friends mm-hmm. didn't help me that I meant. I was like, hey, come on, mm-hmm. log your requests on this platform mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. I can help you figure it out. While mm-hmm. other people can also be helping you figure other things out. So we just created this community of people just getting on it on the network, helping mm-hmm. people with their assignments. You know, actually, I'm sure universities are not that happy with it, but you know, you go to like, hey, I have the assignment that they give to me. Who can help me with it? And that person has the yeah. And everybody just go like, oh, okay, I can help you that while somebody else is helping me with this. It's, it's, it's a marketplace. Yeah, it's a marketplace assignments to be done for free. And then, uh, you know, we joined Open Cluster Consortium and then we started getting content from MIT, um, mm-hmm. University in the UK and all those other places. And some of the professors mm-hmm. joined the platform. And it just became this really nice community of about a million students at the time. But caveat, wow. we, couldn't make money, we couldn't make money from it because it was all open costs. Uh, open uh, customer content um, and their restrictions mm-hmm. are just around how you monetize it. Really, even with ads, you couldn't run ads on the platform? But man, again, experience. Back then. I was a unique guy. How much mm-hmm. ads could I do really try yeah. to be yeah. some? It's not, it wasn't, it's not Facebook. <laughs> and, and the digital ads market has grown since then. It wasn't what it used exactly. to be. Exactly. Like, this, right? this is 2010. This is 11 yeah. years ago. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, that was one, one ad or two ads, but didn't didn't do too much. Yeah. No, definitely. So then, so let's transition to BAE, right? What was your inspiration behind the score? And what was the vision for the score, basically? The foundation was just what I just talked about now. Like, mm-hmm. we built this network who couldn't make money. Mm-hmm. But there are so many people who are coming from Nigeria, Ghana, mm-hmm. and co, and other African countries who are like, hey, we have all this content. Can we take, you know, can we take MIT's exam? So we can get mm-hmm. some certificates from, you mm-hmm. know, because we have access to all this content, well-structured mm-hmm. and put together. Can we take some examination so mm-hmm. that we can, you know, get some paper that says mm-hmm. that we are proficient in A, B, or mm-hmm. C? Um, that made me like start considering like why, you know, I came back, I came to Nigeria to mm-hmm. come and find out. And I realized what the disparity was mm-hmm. to go to school and mm-hmm. people who, and the spaces that existed for the people uh, that wanted to go to mm-hmm. school, and then mm-hmm. in, at the same time, you know, you're away for a long, like if, like for years, and then you come back. Mm-hmm. I could see the difference that just being away makes for you, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm looking for the best way to put this. You've been in an environment that people that you've been around for you leave for a while, like come back, and then the way you're thinking about things and seeing life is completely different. Like you're talking about digital education, and then you're like, what, what are you mm-hmm. talking about? I could tell mm-hmm. it was just maybe it was from the kind of education people have been exposed to, mm-hmm. um, where education mm-hmm. have gone to will ask you to push the limits, think beyond what is mm-hmm. possible. See if it, if mm-hmm. you can, if you do, if you try making it happen, great, mm-hmm. and it works. If it doesn't work, mm-hmm. you've done your best to make it happen. Give it a mm-hmm. go. All of this is like mm-hmm. play safe, don't ask questions, don't annoy your professor. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. nice. Mm-hmm. You know, if that is your score, you take it. So I was like, something has to be done. You know. Yeah, let's let's build out a school that will address the issue of access, mm-hmm. but at the same time also address the issue of quality, and most importantly, address the issue of mm-hmm. relevance. Access mm-hmm. being people should be able to go to school if they want to. Quality mm-hmm. means let them learn the best of things, and relevance mm-hmm. is the best of things that they're learning. Let it be useful in the world of today. Mm-hmm. It can be taking time mm-hmm. for trial that nobody mm-hmm. else, nobody can or typewriting. Exactly. That the only, the only people that use Fortran and Go is right now is US military mm-hmm. because they have systems mm-hmm. that are so old 
that would, yeah. they can't even update it. So they have to keep writing a Fortran for those systems. Mm-hmm. That's the only mm-hmm. people that probably need a, a Fortran engineer. And how do, are they employing mm-hmm. 2,000 a year? No. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, now you have millions of people learning Fortran yeah. and all things. Like, well, hundreds of thousands of people learning mm-hmm. Fortran. So we have to think about a way to provide access, quality, and relevance. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I didn't have a lot of money and never mm-hmm. just in is this boy that you're 23 mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like a university. Mm-hmm. What? So nobody's giving you money. Yeah. <laughs> nobody's nobody's sending you. So in that in that in that way, you have to also go back to being very creative with finance mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you know, add a few other businesses between the internet mm-hmm. access company and then mm-hmm. said, okay, there's been some dividends paid out, some money, small money made there. <laughs> so you just like buy the capital very carefully. And tell yeah. yourself last card and putting it in yeah. space. If it works, it works. If it doesn't work, I you know I have a place to go back and live. I need mm-hmm. to get love rice for the foreseeable future mm-hmm. again. And again, I mean uni, it was easy to be in an environment that was super supportive. So like mm-hmm. the first set of teachers that I had on the platform on BAU, mm-hmm. my professors mm-hmm. in school. School, yeah. Because I thought it was some school project and the school mm-hmm. was very happy mm-hmm. about it. You know, the school, yeah, the owner of the school was very, you know, supportive, you know, like, mm-hmm. hey, you want to paint, do you have any questions, how can we help? Yeah, because it was also a good story for them to tell, like, hey, our students mm-hmm. built this thing, you know, every day then mm-hmm. there was uh, some news publication on the school's mm-hmm. website, you know, saying mm-hmm. our student was featured in this, you know, news, mm-hmm. you know, letting and stuff like that. So they're also quite supportive and were mm-hmm. able to help with a, a, lot, a lot of structure. And because there was not a lot of money, you know, there was a mm-hmm. few online and digital was the best way to build a campus. Yeah. Um, you know, so that's, but, and he also addresses the issue of access because we just mm. want online platform. We can have hundreds of thousands of users mm-hmm. uh, you know, without building anything extra. Right? Mm-hmm. We're only just being, you just build scalable systems as more people are saying, mm-hmm. you know, your infrastructure is great, it's scaling on, on the cloud. Mm-hmm. Like you're able to you know, build resilience. That's it. You know, mm-hmm. you know, you're not doing too much because People don't understand what it takes to add 100 people to a campus. That's why it's really difficult mm. to go to Nigeria. Add 100 new people on campus, right? Let's say the school mm. is capacity 4,000. To make it 4,100, mm. if you're doing it the right way, not by mm. adding an extra bed inside, those cells mm. are already broken, broken apart in mm. many public institutions. If they really want to do it the right way, it means that you're going to put up a building. Mm. Or have different, let's say you're sleeping four in a room. Then let me mm. go to the next one style. Four mm. in a room. Other places mm. is two in a room, right? Two in a room, yes. Yeah, but let's say Nigerian style, there's four in a room. So you put up a building that will have minimum of 30 rooms because mm-hmm. there'll be 25 rooms that there'll mm-hmm. be four in a room, but there'll be also service rooms, you mm-hmm. know, for other things. Mm-hmm. Now let's imagine that you're even being so nice and you're making it mm-hmm. in suits and each room, each room of four has its own bathroom and toilet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What this means is that you are going to buy 100 beds. So mm-hmm. the cost of a bed, multiplied by 100. The cost of mattress, multiplied mm-hmm. by 100. The cost of a pin, mm-hmm. multiplied by 100. The doors, multiplied by 25. Or 50, because there are two mm-hmm. doors. Windows, multiplied mm-hmm. by X number. Chairs, multiplied by X number. The, co- the cost starts to rise up. Mm-hmm. The cost actually just balloons up. If one room mm-hmm. will cost you... Uh, 500k to set up, mm-hmm. and it's a very conservative number. Multiply that by 25, right? Mm-hmm. So it's very difficult to scale um, physical campuses. And then there's also the time factor. 
you don't mm-hmm. start the 25 in a bedroom and finish it within eight months. Two weeks. <laughs> you know, concrete has to dry. You know, concrete mm-hmm. has a limited number of weeks mm-hmm. it needs to dry. Right, mm-hmm. so it, it wouldn't just spring up. So if you have a bust of admissions, you can't mm-hmm. scale up new rooms quickly. Mm-hmm. And there's mm-hmm. also limited land space. So digital made sense in our first cohorts because we're just we started mm-hmm. on doing executive education and professional mm-hmm. learning. In our mm-hmm. first cohorts, we had about sixty five students. You know, it was mm-hmm. free. Even with it being free, it wasn't filled. Right, so we're planning mm-hmm. for one hundred sixty five people did it, even though it was mm-hmm. free. So these are all like lessons. Mm-hmm. People also are skeptic about anything. Um, Especially when it's new. Exactly. On and on, it kind of grew. I'm just, I, I just knew how quickly I needed mm-hmm. to build up partnerships with international mm-hmm. universities that mm-hmm. were happy to add their names to whatever we're mm-hmm. doing. Mm-hmm. Provide them, provide, like and the trust in that you talked about, provide them evidence of the fact that we're doing the right thing. And the impact. And the process, yes. The impact. So they're very happy to back it and provide their names to be mm-hmm. used. And provide content and provide advisory and the rest. Mm-hmm. And I think on, on like you know that mm-hmm. point. again onto the government said, "Hey, pull up. Yeah. You want to do school? School is just for <laughs> and papers. Yeah, and you know the story now became what it became. <laughs> we oh said, you know what? We move everything mm-hmm. directly. You do mm-hmm. it because there's even this two plus one thing we wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Where mm-hmm. let's say I do a partnership with like a Kent State University, mm-hmm. which is what mm-hmm. we have some relationships with." You can't deliver a Kent State degree in Nigeria mm-hmm. to a Nigerian mm-hmm. student because when mm-hmm. it's time for that to be at NYSC, they don't have student mm-hmm. visa to show that they were in the US. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Getting their mm-hmm. students, uh, getting their university education, online. Nobody's going to come because they finish this thing, they're in Nigeria, they're not mm-hmm. going to serve. So, what's the point? If they don't serve, they can't mm-hmm. get structured jobs. Yeah, which is why. So, so it, it, basically, it basically requires the government to work to definitely create new pathways and mm-hmm. new structure that applies to this new digital learning space. Yeah, which is why when I had my personal pivot in 2017, mm-hmm. you know, to go to EduTech, EduTech mm-hmm. was solving a bit of that by using technology to help existing mm-hmm. public universities in Nigeria scale online. Yeah. They had e-learning centers with them, that you know, distance mm-hmm. centers for distance learning, and then scale their existing on-campus programs mm-hmm. online. Record their on-campus professors to be the ones who teach the courses what, online. What, what, is, what are some of the challenges with that? Because if they, those schools didn't have those online setups already, you're going to the schools. It's called the no upfront cost. It's actually called no upfront okay. cost. So you get okay. everything, you design mm-hmm. everything, you have to do a mm-hmm. with them, but you have mm-hmm. to do everything and train them and do all of those. Yeah. Right, so you record these professors, everything, put it together, get it approved, get it accredited. Then you still give you approval. Um, mm-hmm. And then you now hire your own instructors. So you hire instructors, mm. like the centers will hire instructors yeah. to do the delivery on the day to day. That way, strikes can't affect it because those mm-hmm. instructors are not university staff. Yeah, they're not members of ASU. Right, the only time they will catch you is like when it's time to like do markings mm-hmm. and get the students to approve results and if mm-hmm. they strike, then it could catch mm-hmm. up. But at least the learning does not pause. Yeah. So let's see, what advice would you give and what was your own personal experience with fundraising for your startups, right? Because it's like a lot of, I remember earlier in the year, like I came to you and I'm saying, hey, let's see, I'm looking to raise for Alton. But prior to that, I have no experience with raising before what even a pitch deck looks like. What is What advice would you give to 
new and upcoming founders about the fundraising process process and what was your process like? I'll start off with my process and I, then that can allow me mm. better explain why the advice I'm giving is going to be the advice I'm going to give. Up until last year, I've never raised money, right? So everything right. else, mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. everything bootstraps. else had bootstraps. Um, bootstrap because there's some that, that's why you always raise sleep pass <laughs> <laughs> because uh, I don't have to, I don't, I'm not impressing anybody again <laughs> you know so I want my sleep pass like <laughs> but bootstrap because there's some there's been some businesses you know I've worked with in the past and mm-hmm. you know, I continue to get value from there and I also just mm-hmm. had really close supportive you know family friends mm-hmm. who were mm-hmm. happy to pitch in to mm-hmm. move me across the next huddle Mm-hmm. Um, but importantly, so though, is that I learned to build stuff, micro, 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 blow it, right? Like mm-hmm. micro, 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 then blow it, like allows mm-hmm. me to make small mistakes. Given the way I now built, I remember an investor I was speaking to, given the way mm-hmm. I now built and the way I was, they said mm-hmm. it's difficult to invest in a person like me because my investment is always like, okay, cool. I just do it with my money anyway. Yeah, so there's no, there's no desperation, there's no yeah, exactly. Not begging so it's like, okay, will this guy go above and beyond to make sure that this thing will work? Because there's no desperation, he's not like mm-hmm. you don't see the hunger, yeah. Yeah. but again, that's what my personality is. I'm a very like, I'm super like calm, chill, like mm-hmm. cool, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But inside, it's burning, I don't have to mm-hmm. express it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just also realized how to drop really good lines of credit, like, hey, mm-hmm. this is gonna cost me two hundred million dollars a day. Mm-hmm. I'm like, guys, I have 20, but I'm mm-hmm. going to give you the remaining 180 in the next mm-hmm. 12 months, month on mm-hmm. month. Mm-hmm. The great thing is, I, before I make that kind of commitment, mm-hmm. I, really, I kind of know where it's going to come from. And I'm going to just structure my life for you to be able to fit into that. So if it means for the next 12 mm-hmm. months, no abroad trip, I will mm-hmm. just cut it off. No problem. No problem. We're using it to be mm. putting, uh, putting, you know, paying back some of those lines of credits, and that's really it. So I guess in my fundraising has been loads of lines of credits, mm-hmm. um, you know, loads of uh, <laughs> trust checks. But a lot of my experience with fundraising, even with investing in other people, mm-hmm. right? So I, you know, I, I will invest in other people. So mm-hmm. that's how I kind of know what the projection should look like, and mm-hmm. I've done a lot of research on my own, and mm-hmm. I've tried to raise money so many times. Mm. That it didn't work, and at that point, I was like, you know what? I'm not raising again. I'm just going to mm. strap myself up and go in. And let just, I let people always just wonder how how is he doing it. Mm. And then when I raise, not announce it. Um, like my mm. new first success of getting an external capital capital you know, properly would be maybe from last year. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Prior to that, has just been like it, you know, businesses could be venture funded, but I'm not like involved mm-hmm. in the fundraising process. Like I remove mm-hmm. myself from it. So in the context yeah. of in the context of Beth King, so you stay Beth King with not necessarily any fundraised dollars. I, I need that King. No, sorry. Oh, sorry. Um, <laughs> not not saying Beth King, but basically Beth King great, uh, got some investments from multi choice last year. Yes, to scale. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what what was that particular? Were you involved in the talks with that? What was that partnership like? How do you attract a partner like that? And what are the business fundamentals you usually have to have um, to get a partner like that in place? By having a bit of a front row seat. <laughs> sorry, um, listen, even sorry, even before we go there, let, let's talk tell our users what Beck King is, because this is the first time it's coming into the conversation. Like, could you could you describe Beck King? 
Um, so Beking, in my opinion, and in many people's opinion, is one of Africa's biggest um, spots. No, no, no. Spots and it's Number one, number one. We're not going to be wrong. <laughs> just, just say number one. Uh, <laughs> it's one of the biggest. It's one of the biggest spots and you know, sports entertainment and gaming brands on the continent. You know, started in Nigeria in 2018 as a Nigerian business. You know, started in Nigeria has ever since grown into this global company with mm-hmm. offices across the world, um, but providing services for for the mm-hmm. African markets. Um, yeah. Now with presence in Kenya, Ethiopia, Nigeria, and a few other countries that we're launching mm-hmm. soon. And with you know, verticals that are, you know, they will have sports betting with Bet King, which is started off as Bet King, but then um, given the growth, we had to have the whole co brand King Makers, Mm-hmm. Well, King Makers is a whole good brand, and there's the Beck King under it, and there's a lot of other things that's going to come. You know, we mm-hmm. have there's, there's, a, there's a TV show in partnership with Supersport, there's Super Pigs mm-hmm. in partnership with Supersport, there's mm-hmm. a, lot of, a lot of other gaming related startups. So, yeah, having to scale that way. And building a really good business mm-hmm. and being, being in front of things probably when a big core part of your business. Because mm-hmm. what I would say that is everybody watches sports on super sports. Mm-hmm. You cannot watch any sports if it's on super sports, right? Well, so that most of them was mm-hmm. bigger than that on super sports. They have distribution. So, yeah, they have the distribution, mm-hmm. they are across the continent. So mm-hmm. They are also paying attention as well. Mm-hmm. I guess that led to some of the conversations that kicked off mm-hmm. because it's a, a marriage that will work, right? Mm-hmm. We have we have a good business. They've got infrastructure. They need a mm-hmm. business like ours as well because there's a lot mm-hmm. of areas of overlap between a business mm-hmm. like ours and their business. So, mm-hmm. in and it's a good thing is that this is not the first time such thing is happening. You know, mm-hmm. there are models around the world that exist. Mm-hmm. Having a, a, a media and entertainment conglomerate, mm-hmm. you know, have a relationship with a sports betting brand mm-hmm. because of how sports betting really runs on media and entertainment, and how yeah. it is a form of media and entertainment, and how media and entertainment need the gamification and the and the and the elements and elements mm-hmm. of 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 a business like ours and expertise that has been built over time. And mm. I will give it to our founder. He's built mm. a really good business, right? He mm. built a really good business in Nigeria. Mm-hmm. Hired really good people, brought in mm-hmm. folks like me to kind of take it from mm-hmm. where he was and scale it up. And in doing that, and bringing all these other people, it makes absolutely no sense for no one, for any, it makes absolutely no mm-hmm. sense for anyone to ignore investing in a business mm-hmm. like, like ours, mm-hmm. right? Because again, mm-hmm. it's got the right people, it's run like a proper business, it's properly mm-hmm. structured, you know, mm-hmm. When you look at it, it's not just a roadside gambling company. It is a proper yeah. technology business mm-hmm. with a with a uh, a product in in, in gaming, mm-hmm. uh, and because the, all of that experience that has been built and the scale of technology that has been developed mm-hmm. can be applied into anything. Mm-hmm. You know, it can mm-hmm. easily be a fintech company tomorrow, right? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. Given the spread across the continent, given the number of users, given the number of transactions today, it can literally be a fintech company tomorrow. Um, yeah. So like, yeah, it can it can roll it out and be anything. Mm-hmm. Um, it can be a media company because again, we have you know tens of thousands of shops. Um, mm-hmm. In as mm-hmm. an example, streaming our own content, mm-hmm. like have our virtual mm-hmm. games, 
all that they stream. Mm-hmm. We can stream anything in those shops. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. There's a kind of satellite. So that's mm-hmm. the, the, the opportunities are very limitless as to what yes. we've done. But that only comes from the fact that it had been built as mm-hmm. a proper, proper business. Mm-hmm. So what would you say from a, from a talent recruiting perspective, right? Because especially when you're launching a startup, mm-hmm. you want to recruit the best talent. What would you say have been some of the things you've learned about having the right team to launch a startup with or to even scale a company with? Common vision, man. Common vision. And when that, when the common vision becomes uh, divergent, have the conversation, mm-hmm. you know, move, move on quickly. Mm-hmm. But common vision, having a goal, and finding people who connect to that goal and they have mm-hmm. the expertise to, you know, to support mm-hmm. that goal, right? Mm-hmm. It has to be a really good balance between talent and passion, mm-hmm. like really good talent between talent and passion and having mm-hmm. a really good product that those people can sell. You know, mm-hmm. if they're not selling a good product, then all that talent and passion is useless. It's wasted, yeah. It's wasted. So once you have a, product, a good product for them to sell, have find people mm-hmm. who stride a really good balance between talent and passion, right? Because mm-hmm. you have a passionate person who's not talented, you just get a yes, man. If you have a talented person who is not passionate, you get a very mm-hmm. passive person who doesn't mm-hmm. have any feeling of having a stake in the business mm-hmm. or skin in the game. Yeah, exactly. So you have to find people who are very committed mm-hmm. to the success mm-hmm. and to you know things going very well. Those are the those mm-hmm. are the kind of people you need, right? And then you can identify mm-hmm. those by just speaking to them. You know, if people mm-hmm. fall through the cracks, mm-hmm. uh, people can sell dreams, but mm-hmm. Once you pick it up, you know, make a decision as quickly as possible before it becomes a little too late. But mm-hmm. find people who are passionate and they're talented and they're ready to put in their efforts mm-hmm. and, and get things done. You, you have grown as a leader in the companies and also in the multiple companies you have started, right? What would you say is the biggest lesson from a leadership perspective that you've had to learn in managing people? I, my, my, my style, my leadership style is very different. Mm-hmm. I, I, mm-hmm. I had this conversation with someone a few nights ago, like two nights ago. Mm-hmm. And he was mm-hmm. saying like, hey, people like yourselves are generally very unapproachable and, you know, crash mm-hmm. and stuff like that. I'm like, mm-hmm. that's not, that's not the style I prefer to go with. Mm-hmm. Um, because I realized that I get the best out of people by mm-hmm. actually being very understanding. You know, we mm-hmm. know, our, we understand the lines. We know who's boss mm-hmm. and I need to remind you with my actions every day. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> you know, as long as you do your job, you know, your friends. I say, you, you don't have to pop bottles every day. They pop like, oh yeah, you know, it's me. I'm the guy. No, you don't have to do that. I don't have to remind you every day that I'm your boss. Yeah. Um, we already because we already know. Um, I think you know, there's no need to be hounding it down. So it's about building a good relationship. So that when we're yeah. approaching, we approach it from a place of a good relationship that we mm-hmm. have. Mm-hmm. Um, when we're getting things done, we get it done from that place. You know, like when I joined Brett King's, an example, it was mm-hmm. almost like a conscious effort between the founder and I to mm-hmm. build a friendship and a really good relationship, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Because when you have that, and then again, there's competence on both sides. So when mm-hmm. you have, so that's given. So now when you have built that foundation of friendship and a good relationship, mm-hmm. it allows you to go through issues that might mm-hmm. come up. It allows you to see mm-hmm. things from each other's perspective. It allows you mm-hmm. to be very accommodating of you know, each person's ideas mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. approach. I always strike a balance. It mm-hmm. helps you to weather days that are that's off. And that mm-hmm. way you should also you know, go. So when you're doing that, you can do it downwards or you can do it upwards. Mm-hmm. You build a relationship with people that you work with. Mm-hmm. And you see things from the perspective, give room for ideas, give room for mm-hmm. 
um, from thought for thoughts. My biggest um, mantra with leadership is: mm-hmm. if, I, if I've hired you to pay you this much, why should I do the mm-hmm. job for you? I'm going to do your thinking for you. Just mm-hmm. give me the mm-hmm. results. As long as the the process you're taking is ethical and mm-hmm. is time sensitive, mm-hmm. you know, just get it done. That's what I care mm-hmm. about. You know, mm-hmm. you can pay this much, and then I'm having to help you do the work. So I'm, I'm still doing double work. Yes, you know, and I've also that's not to, mm. <clears throat> not to do other people's work because I now mm. end up doing my own work. You know, and I'm also I do leadership by questions, so mm-hmm. you never really come to me for answers, and I give you, hey, here's the answer to this problem. Mm-hmm. There will mm-hmm. be a lot of questions, so you can also have your journey to finding the answers because mm-hmm. it helps you better understand why. You know, mm-hmm. the biggest is always a question of why. It's not a case mm-hmm. of like, oh, make the color green. Why? Mm-hmm. Right. Put the button here. Why? Yeah. Right. You know, pay pay these bills every fifth of the mm-hmm. month. Why? No. Mm-hmm. Why not seven? Why not four? Why not six? Mm-hmm. There's a reason why. She, like everything has. So you, to you own the process yourself. Yeah, you yeah. own the process yourself, so you better understand mm-hmm. the reasons why. That way, when situations come up, mm-hmm. if you know the why, you know how to fix the situation. Because mm-hmm. if the reason is because of this. Mm-hmm. then it's easy to fix it because you know mm-hmm. the foundation of it. So that's like really my style. I, I'll just want yeah. to ask questions. I'll lead you to the answers mm-hmm. because there's never a single right way to get things done. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes there is, sometimes, but for mm-hmm. the most part, you know, there's no single, there's no single solution to any issue. So yeah. as long as we fix the issue, it's been resolved yeah. and it's not gonna, we're not going to have a failure in the future. So we've talked about the experience with the routers, right? And how one day the business had to end. Mm-hmm. But everyone gets to deal with failure at some point. So what was your first encounter with failure when you started out as an entrepreneur? How did you deal with it? And what did that experience teach you? Aside from the one you already spoken about, what, do you, is there a failure that you, you reflect on sometimes that this one, this one actually hurt, but you had to learn and, and mm-hmm. move from it, move on from it? Um, it's a business I won't go too deep into or talk about mm-hmm. much. Mm-hmm. how sensitive it could be. Mm-hmm. But it's a business I started with a bunch of people. I didn't know these people well, right? So, mm. <laughs> yeah, that's all I can say. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, so is the lesson from that do better due diligence or oh yes, do better due diligence. Do better due yeah. diligence. Yeah. Know the people you are doing business with. Uh, find out what they've done in their past because eventually you'll not be hearing ah, these are he always behaves. I like sorry. Right. <laughs> <laughs> He's always giving me like, like, sorry, close, what, what? This is the first time. You might be doing that right now. Oh, man, I don't. Okay, so if, if the only thing left in the world was a book about your life, right? What would you title it and what would be the blurb? These are the African questions that we want to know. The chronicles of, the chronicles of hard work and enjoyment. Mm. Mm. <laughs> I can buy that book. Put me as forward. Put me as forward. The Chronicles of Hard Work and Enjoyment. Why? Why that title? Because that's me, man. You know, I put in my. Try, I do my best to put in my work. You know, mm-hmm. you know I I try to <clears throat> do a lot of thinking and mm-hmm. put a lot of work and explore mm-hmm. new things, chasing mm-hmm. opportunities. You know. Stay up late, write missing mm-hmm. mails, and do all of these mm-hmm. things, and do up all this strategy, and tackle all of these mm-hmm. documents and these grand mm-hmm. ideas and everything. But I've also I also realized how quickly that all of that hard work is for you to enjoy life mm-hmm. as well. 
So strike that balance. Let not mm-hmm. one not suffer for the other. Don't don't enjoy it to the point where you're not doing your hard work again. Mm-hmm. And don't do hard work to the point where you don't take a moment and actually just enjoy just a little bit, right? Yeah. Then enjoyment can also just be sleep. The work you're doing too. Yeah. Well. It can also just mm-hmm. be sleep, right? It can just mm-hmm. be sleep. And it can also turn enjoyment into work. And mm-hmm. turn work into enjoyment. I did that with the mm-hmm. boating thing. Right, mm. well, <laughs> they just said because I was like, oh, hey, boats, I love boats, I like being on boats, but oh, come on, yes. I'm not used to boats. what do I do? I rent it out, yeah, yeah. So, something I enjoy doing, like, I remember we used to do the boat parties, I would show up for the boat parties, mm. I would be the one to mix cocktails and serve people, mm. and people were like, mm-hmm. why is he coming to be the, the cocktails and the cocktails at these boat parties? Like, what, what I'm like, because I enjoy it, like, I'll be yes. like, I can do the for free, like, mm. I don't need to ask you to come, I'll invite yeah. myself. Yeah, um, I like to host people, like to entertain. So, so let me ask you: Do you love the boat, or do you love being on in the water itself? Both. It both? I love to be yeah. on water. I love. I love mm-hmm. to be in water. I love to be mm-hmm. with water. I love to mm-hmm. be by water. So, 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 so let me ask you: Can you tell us three books, right, that have had a profound impact on your life, and maybe a favorite quote from any of them? Uh, I would. I, I don't remember a favorite quote. I'm not. I'm not mm-hmm. as smart as people always think. Um, so I just know the book and what it generally talks about. The first yeah. one is Good to Great, as the name suggests. The second one is mm. Talent is Not Enough. Um, mm-hmm. It's a book my father gave me. It was one of the mm. best gifts ever. Which just basically says the fact that you're good at something doesn't mean that you don't try to own it and sharpen it and refine it. So super, 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 super helpful book. And I think the last is uh, Sprint. You said Springs? Sprint. Sprint. Okay, Sprint. Sprint. Okay. Mm-hmm. okay. So go see. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you follow any of this crypto space, fintech? I mean, obviously you're, you've been involved in... You guys have been chasing me the last one week. This is like the like third or fourth time anyone has asked me a question about crypto. Yes. I mean, I mean, what do you think about this space? Um, I think it's, it's ha- it has a role to play in the future, mm-hmm. right? Um, it has a role to play today. Um, there's a lot of application for crypto, blockchain, and all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't understand it much. Like NFTs, all of that fancy mm-hmm. stuff. I don't understand any of it. Yes. Like, yes. I, I don't own a single crypto asset. Yes. Not because yeah. I don't want to. I just don't understand it. And I'm also yeah. one not to have for more. And I'm also one not to do things because everybody else is doing it. And mm-hmm. I'm also one not to chasing things blindly because everyone says, ah, that's where we are making money from. Then we are mm-hmm. our job. Mm-hmm. I've never really been one to do bandwagon stuff. Mm-hmm. Right? I always do what, like I do my own thing. So mm-hmm. I, I feel like there are many other ways to make money here than just, than just be trading crypto and sit mm-hmm. on, on some app every mm-hmm. day looking at when the price has gone up and gone down and be trying, mm-hmm. trying rocket ship. Up mm-hmm. and down, you know, every time because of how volatile it is, it's giving me heart attack. I'm such a safe investor. Is, 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 it, is, it not, is it not possible to diversify and just don't look at it and just keep it on the side? Like if you're doing a diversification of a portfolio and you say, hey, and it's not just about necessarily about the because it's going up or going down, it's more of like, okay, if this is something, right. It's okay. This is the amount I'm going to bet on it. Whatever it goes with, it's cool. I won't even look at it and I'll just keep it pushing. Based on the fact that if this is the if this is the future, you might as well have a part of it and say in it. So the, the good thing about me and the way I think about mm-hmm. things is like I'm, if it's the future, 
when is the future? I'll buy it now. I don't need to buy the future today. I can buy it so in the future when it's the future. I'll buy it at the True. price. I buy it at the going price then. At the going price then. Okay. I'll put my money in other things that will help me grow it so that by that's when I can afford that future. You can afford it. <laughs> <laughs> like I'll buy the future then, you know. That is quotable, man. It's like I'll give it the money that's able to afford to buy the future. How much is the bill? Bring it. I'll pay for it. No problem. <laughs> oh man, go see man. Thanks for really sit down with us. I think the last question we have is what does being Afropolitan mean to you? Hmm. Being Afropolitan. Mm-hmm. What forms the two words? Afro so and... Afro and, and, and Politan, which is like city, right? Like it, it's, it's not, well... What, so is what, it Africa and Cosmopolitan? So basically, but that's not necessarily the breakdown of it. I think the breakdown of it is what we say, what the definition is, is someone who is conscious individual, right? They mm-hmm. straddle two sets of awareness, right? You have levels of identity. So you could be Yoruba, Nigerian, or Yoruba Igbo, or Nigerian American, or East African, or Kenyan, but it forms that diaspora that's connected back to the continent, right? So that, like, when you're in different spaces, for example, now you're instable, right? But you recognize yourself as maybe, um, this is who I am in this space, but I, I can draw from multiple sets of awareness. I'm not just locked into my place from Umayyad, and that's all I see the world as. You mm-hmm. understand that the world is bigger and you're connected to the rest of the people in that world. So when I ask, okay, what's that part of it's coming from that definition, like what does that mean to you? As someone yeah. who's also well just give the answer. Well, breaking it down. <laughs> give, me, give, me, give me back the answer. But you know, this was, you said it was student circle, right? So this is student yeah. circle moment. <laughs> this is my leadership style. You come to me with a question. I respond the question. I give the true, explanation. True, true. You, you, you did say that. You did say that. Um, so Afropolitan, from the definition you've given, right? How I would mm-hmm. see myself plug into that is I am a very, very diverse person. I think for many people who are very close to me, mm-hmm. only a few, a few of them have kind, kind of come to the point of acceptance mm-hmm. of seeing it super diverse. And my, my diversity come, you know, applies to religion, mm-hmm. applies to my you know, social consciousness and how I see mm-hmm. things, applies mm-hmm. to different sides of my life, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I have subscriptions into multiple beliefs mm-hmm. you know, in a sense mm-hmm. like that. Like, it's not like, Maybe stay, you know, a bit esoteric in its nature. Mm-hmm. So it's mm-hmm. not like regular. I hope my mother doesn't see this. So, uh, <laughs> so in that same context, I see myself mm-hmm. as a person who's formed from all my experiences. Um, my African experience, my global experience, mm-hmm. my experience mm-hmm. in Nigeria. I've been mm-hmm. to a lot of African countries. Mm-hmm. So my experience in those places and just realizing mm-hmm. my place in this world. I realizing my place in this in this um, universe that we've kind of mm-hmm. made ourselves as an African, which is my core, mm-hmm. my foundation, how do mm-hmm. I place myself? Mm-hmm. How do I place myself into other areas of life? Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Let's see, you've been, you've been around the world, right? What would you say is your most favorite city to be in? I wouldn't, I wouldn't put it down there. Uh, tough, tough. I mean, I'm a few places I've gone to come back to over mm-hmm. and over. But mm-hmm. tough, tough to say for residing. Tough. So, so what would you then say is what would you say is your best place to live in, location wise? If, if you could, if you could, really, yeah, tough again. In, if, if if there's any place that's very warm in England, I will live there because I, they speak English. I don't have to be struggling with language. <laughs> but you know, that, that that one itself is hard. No, there's no one place. No, there's please. no place 
that is you know stable mm. throughout the year in you know mm-hmm. weather. Um, so yeah, um, I I would really love to live by the water. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know what city, but I like to live mm-hmm. by the water in a very warm climate. So Lagos seems to be that kind of place, right? You know, given its chaos, but maybe that is why it's chaotic because it has everything going for it. Yeah. Know, yeah. Climate, climate wise, mm-hmm. it might be the reason. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. for There's some guy who said the reason why Africa mm-hmm. has underdeveloped mm-hmm. is because it has everything going for it. It's going to be mm-hmm. like we don't have mm-hmm. any time in the, in the year where we can't mm-hmm. go out. We don't mm-hmm. have any time in the year where we can't plant. We don't have any mm-hmm. time in the year where we, we can actually just, you know, feed, you know, like uh, go harvest and get something. Mm-hmm. Think, mm-hmm. Different things go throughout the year. Mm-hmm. While if you're in, in, in the climates where there's like freezing white winter mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. for about three months in a year, you mm-hmm. have to plan for those three months. Yeah, because if not, if not, if you don't have enough mm-hmm. money and then your hours are short, like cut, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. if your hours are reduced in winter mm-hmm. and you've not like planned for that time, Prepared. you will die mm-hmm. hunger. If you haven't planned to have a shelter properly, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it will kill you. And those societies that has have had to kind of adjust to build mm-hmm. up for those days where they haven't, they, they wouldn't have a lot of you know, infrastructure available, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? Which is why I look at the times that you no, know, like Texas had this whole winter thing and there was mm-hmm, no power. Mm-hmm. People died. Yeah, yeah, literally, literally. Yeah, people died. You know. So I think that mm-hmm. might be the problem with our Lagos. Because so, we need, so what you're saying, what you're saying is we need snow. If, maybe if we have snow for like five years back to back, you, see, mm. you start to see that people, every, every, people take a lot of things very seriously. Yeah, you know, yeah. even things like plumbing in a house. Like for you guys, mm. you understand what I'm saying. Mm. Your plumbing mm. is not just anyhow because if you have a freezing winter and your plumbing freezes, mm. and you don't, no hot water, no hot water. And then no, like if, we, if there's a way you thaw it, and then you have bus pipes, your whole house is flooded. Because it was just winter, and there was water mm-hmm. left in your pipe like that, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and then you know it got frozen and cracked your pipes, and then you know water has flown, and then everywhere floods. So there's a lot of things you think about, mm-hmm. um, you know, in in in, in places like that. So, look, some guys built the underground, some guys built the subway mm-hmm. in That's centuries true. where there was no all, all these things, all these equipment you have on God's earth mm-hmm. existed, mm-hmm. but they built those things out of necessity. Yes, they did. With heating and everything, though, know, like with heating and everything and mm. lights, electricity on, mm. in those spaces for centuries, bro. Yeah. So I guess that's part of the problem. So if I can find a warm place that is warm throughout the air and there's water close by, oh, absolutely, I live in that city. Okay, okay. Because so see, finding man. the place, though, finding me, the, find me the place. You, yeah, you know, I'm doing, I'm doing small Africa tour this December. Mm-hmm. So, so I'm doing, uh, what am I doing? I'm doing Ghana. Nigeria, Kenya, Tanzania. I think there's mm-hmm. probably one more. But Tanzania is think against the recommendation, so we'll go and we'll go and soft it up a little bit, and then we'll come to we'll come to Nigeria. No wahala. Yeah. Let's see, man, bro. Thank you for taking the time. It, it's funny because me, me and the rest of the team were talking about how timing is so important. Because if we had done this back when we were supposed to do it. We wouldn't have had the video and we wouldn't have had the tech that we needed to accomplish mm-hmm. it in this way. All right. So go see man. Thank you for again, even agreeing to come on because fam, but I lost that time. I'm like, hi. But I was sick during that period. But yeah, thankfully, yeah. you know, yeah. thank you for coming on, bro. I really appreciate you for taking the time to come up. You're most welcome, bro. Bro, please have a great time in Istanbul. I don't know how long you're in town, but we'll definitely be seeing soon, bro. Sure thing. Sounds good. 
All right, bro. Have a good one. Yeah. Thank you for listening to the Afropolitan Podcast. We are building the future of a progressive Black community. To join our community, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Afropolitan. Be sure to join our Discord and Clubhouse community by clicking on the link tree on our Instagram page. See you on social.